Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This is the third and final part of my conversation with Adam Haddo of SJB Architects. We wrap up this episode by talking about the idea of diversity in business and what it means to really take it seriously. Adam also provides his perspectives on generosity and why it has played such a big part in the development of the SJB business. Adam also talks about work-life balance, staying motivated and fresh, as well as his key observations after more than two decades of business leadership. I hope you enjoy it. I guess we're, what I'd like to um, explore more in, in the time in which um, SJB is doing sort of very well, winning a lot mm. of awards, doing mm. beautiful projects, the implementation of business initiatives in the practice. So mm. ones where SJB implemented things like career trackers uh, involved in champions yep. of change is there pioneering the 10-week parental leave, Yes, you know, uh, and things like flex time. So one of the things that I'd like to understand is what some of the results hmm. that you saw in the business by implementing these sort of things? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll, let's take a slight step back. Yeah. You know, you say, you know, it's, the business is humming and doing really yeah. well. It's like, oh my God, that's so not what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, my God, we're struggling and are we still doing okay? And are we, you know, are we living up to what we should be doing? And like, I right. never feel like we're being successful. And that's one of my failings is I don't so I don't celebrate success we don't celebrate success very well you know yeah. we don't acknowledge it and to a certain extent I don't even I don't even see it right like it's just not it's not a thing that I notice right because it's uh, for me it's always about well you can always do things better and I think mm. some of the things that you're talking about are about are about that I had the first 18 years of my life the business I had absolutely no work-life balance, right? There was no difference between work and life. And probably even today, there's no, there is no definition between work and life. They're one thing and you just do it and you move things around to facilitate everything else. And I, you know, to a certain extent, I find it really intriguing when people say, oh, I can't do that because I can't go to that meeting on Saturday because I'm doing something else. What else are you doing? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> equally, if my parents ring me and say, well, we're coming up on Monday, I'll take the Monday off. Like I won't go to work mm. on Monday. Like that's just... Life. Uh, so my husband Mike uh, started Career Trackers, which mm. came, uh, which is about employing Aboriginal and Torres Strait yeah. Islander university students, and really came from his personal experience of being African American and growing up yeah. in, uh, you know, a very poor part of the US. And I think in the end, so and and like that, it, us then uh, partnering with him and Career Trackers mm. to try to make that a reality about how do you create career paths for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in the built environment profession mm. really comes from an SJB, the S and the J and the B, the Sim and Justin Bialik principle that they had as business leaders because they were all, their parents were all refugees, so they're all um, Jewish refugees after the war. Remarkable and tragic stories about how uh, they ended up here and uh, the kind of family lives that they had and the need to rebuild an co- entire mm. culture after World War II. And then as a consequence of that, their generosity towards um, recent immigrants and refugees in the business in Melbourne. So there was always a kind of an outreach program to people who were recent new, new arrivals, I suppose you'd say, to Australia. So there was, always, there were, there was already, I had grown up in the 
originally used at SJB as a culture with that. So it's like, okay, well then, of course we would do that. Why wouldn't we do that? And I think in the end, it's just about saying, to me, you want diversity. You want different opinions. You're not going to always agree with them and they're probably going to make it difficult for you at some point, having people have different opinions to you. But it's important to have different perspectives and different opinions. Mm. And so what we want to have a, an environment and culture is where, one, people feel like they can have a different opinion and they can voice that different opinion. They can act on that opinion. At the same time, it's within a structure which says, okay, well, that's, we've now heard your opinion. That's excellent. But this is the way the business is going and everybody respects that, hopefully. At the same time, you need to acknowledge that people from different backgrounds or people from different positions will always have will have different opinions and you have to own those different opinions and perspectives mm. and directions so you can't want diversity but then design it out you've got to design an environment where diversity where you can can be diverse uh, which i don't think many people in my experience actually acknowledge that they try to have a business and then shove diversity into the business without wanting the consequences of what that diversity offers. So, uh, you know, and for me, you know, I told this story in Melbourne a few years ago. It's like, I'm a gay man who grew up in a rural country town, went to university with 50% women attendance, and most of my best friends were women. I'm a middle-aged man, middle-aged white man. How did I end up becoming a middle-aged white man? A middle-aged white man, and I'm a director of a business where it's 100% owned by men. How did that happen? Mm. Like, honestly, if it, how did that happen? I just don't, like, to a certain extent, like, you've got to be active in the choices you make. And that's probably the negative of me rolling with it and just seeing what happens. You've kind of got to be proactive about wanting to have equity. So the champion change for me is saying, well, actually, I want to be in a business and leave a business which has diversity and acknowledges that. So you better be active about it. So champion change was a you know the potential to engage with that and really what all that does is provide a structure and a network to help facilitate a kind of thinking about it and then hopefully an action on it the parental leave the parental leave flexibility within the office space i mean to a certain extent when we did that flexibility in the workplace we were early adopters of it the covid environment has forced everyone to become adopters of it uh, you know, and I was just talking to a friend last night and they said, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do when you go back from COVID? Uh, are you going to offer flexibility? And I'm like, we're not changing anything. Yeah, like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Like, this is how it has to be. At the same time, I think it's really, I was reading an article in The Guardian yesterday about, you know, workers not wanting to go back to work. And I'm like, because it's better for them, you know, better for them, in inverted commas. They feel more connected and it's much more, it's calmer and... I'm like, oh my God, someone needs to write an article about the pressure that puts on the people who run the business. Like, oh my God, like I am, I'm exhausted after COVID. Like the, the, ex, the extra levels of management yeah. required to facilitate that. And, I, and honestly, I honestly don't think that people actually even can see it, right? Hopefully they don't see it because you're trying to be a duck on water, you know? It's exhausting. Like, it's really exhausting. And I, I'm not quite sure what that means. Like, of course you want to have a flexible work environment where people can feel more connected to their families and they travel less and they can still contribute to the office. And at the same time, it's like, I don't want to have a nervous breakdown. How do you balance the requirements of the many with the needs of the few? There's an additional layer of... I almost look at it as defocused. Like, do I have to do this now? Like, yeah. And the answer is, yeah, you do. Because, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, I can. And I it can, can be little things. Yeah. Like I was saying, talking to one of the um, stream leaders in the office the other day, and they they were out of the office for the day, and I just said, can mm. you can you print these drawings for me because mm. I need to do a review of them. 
and uh, they weren't in the office. They just said, look, well, here's the PDFs. Can you print them off? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. i print them off. But it was printing at A1 and there was 150 pages. And, you know, I spent three hours trying to print them off. And then at the point I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. I don't need to do this. I did, so I just had to send an email back to say, no, no, you have to print them. Mm. I don't care how you do it, but you need to do it because I just don't, I can't, I can't cope with this yeah. today, you know. Yeah. Um, that's a, such a small thing, right? But it's indicative of a bigger issue about saying, how do you not let those small things derail your day? So, you know, what was meant to be a fairly design-focused strategic day for me turned into a very practical do I print drawings and not get the printer shut down every five minutes, you know, yeah, which seems yeah. ridiculous, but like it's all, it becomes all consuming, you know, mm. it's like, oh my God. So it's those little things about how do we, how are we going to manage distributed office? I personally, I've been bagging onto the directors about this. Here's a good example of disagreement, but not argument, right? So I've been banging onto the directors for years about opening an office in Bathurst and opening an office in Parramatta, right? Not because I want to do work necessarily in Bathurst or Parramatta, right? But because I think what you want to do as an office is have a diversity of offer for your staff about where they live and how they engage. And I would say 40% of our staff live closer to Parramatta than they do to the city. Mm. So why not have an office in Parramatta, which just allows them to touch down in that space, still has the sense of the collective, but creates a little bit more diversity. Same with Orange or Bathurst or somewhere. I grew up in a rural country town and I'm always dismayed at the brain drain that happens in country towns, that everybody who's doing something other than being a tradesperson or working in the supermarket leaves. There's not very many professional people that stay in country towns. How can you create an environment to to enable them to stay? Well, why shouldn't we have an office in... And if I was in Victoria, I would be pushing to open an office in my hometown in Ararat, right? So why shouldn't we have an office in Ararat which allows people... Not everyone has to be face-to-face with a client, Mm. right? That's actually in our office. That's often my job to do that. And And it's not my job to do a lot of drawings where it's someone else's job to do a lot of drawings. So why shouldn't why can't we be dislocated from each other but distributed? That's a, something that as an off as directors, John completely disagrees with, right? Like it's like no no no. John is like, we need people in the one place in the one office. I need the energy. He needs the energy and wants the oversight, I suppose, or the the not. It's not oversight in a kind of authoritarian way, yeah, no, it's but oversight way. in more of a I need to be there to support people kind of way. So he needs that. We agree to disagree, but, you know, it's like I'm fine with the fact that that's not an ambition that I'll ever realise. I'm sure that he's got equally ones where he's like, I can't believe we're doing this, but that's an ambition he's not going to realise. But okay, yeah. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Um, Now, look, uh, there's also um, a couple of things that I wanted to uh, touch on which are more um, sort of personal mm. atom-based things mm. um, that allow you to to be that person. Mm. I think it's impossible to have days and weeks on end where you just don't feel flat. How do you keep yourself sort of fresh and you keep loving what you do? Choose the right partner in life. I think Gail Kelly said the most important decision you'll make is who you marry because, like, they are your support network. You know, I think your partner often has to get the raw end of the stick often. It's, I suppose, trying not to let that happen, trying to acknowledge the fact that they support you in lots of ways. You know, Mike, at the moment, is not working. He founded Career Trackers and Career Seekers and ran them for 10 years and then stepped back and handed them over to other people to, to be CEOs of. 
And as a consequence of that, I have a house husband, which is fantastic. (laughs) Having somebody who just looks after our life is really great. But on a personal level, I actually need time alone. People think I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually quite an introvert. I like my space by myself. Even in the office, like I like to be in my own headspace, Mm. right? So I don't need to be physically away from people. I just need to be not talked to for a little while, you know? So a lot of it is about, for me, trying to find that space. And that's quite, I find that, I do find that increasingly more challenging professionally and personally. Like how do you say to your partner, I love you, but I just need to have three hours where I just go and go for a walk or... And what are your other sort of rituals that you sort of go through that enable you to have those really... I thrive on busy Right. Yep. So to a certain extent, the inverse is almost possible where if I don't, if I'm not busy, I get really deflated. I need to be busy. If I'm not busy, yeah. I will get quite depressed. I'll get yeah. quite lost a little way. So um, making myself busy is a part, is kind of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. I suppose. Took a year off in 2017 as a, you know, grown up gap year. And I did a for, t- for a month or two, I did an artist in residence program in Connecticut in the US. And one of the other artists who was in the studio with me at the time, he was just like, you need to get bored. You need to let yourself get to a point where you're bored mm. and only then will some interesting stuff happen. And I was like, oh, geez, I don't know that I can do that. Like, that's hardcore for me. Like, for some people, you know, I would this artist was really active he did amazing work and he was really active and but you know there'd be days in the studio where he wouldn't get out until midday and I'd be just like how do you do that like you know like I can't do that I've got to get up go for a run I've got to mm. keep you know I've got to be doing stuff but you know I think there was something in it like how do you let how do you get to a position where you're comfortable enough to let to kind of purge yourself of everything of your thoughts in a way to then let new ones come in uh, you know, like a friend of mine, uh, uh, Naji Chu, is, um, uh, she's, a, she's a restaurateur, caterer, um, you know, amazing woman. And she's like, she's Vietnam, a Vietnamese refugee when she was in the 70s, she came to Australia. And she always says, oh, my gosh, you white people are so weird that you talk about work-life balance. Like in Asian culture, there is no difference between work and life. It's the one thing. Mm. It's like, and I, I think to a certain extent... I kind of share that philosophy. I have never been worried about money. And I don't mean that in a, I didn't come from money. So there was never, you know, like my family were not, were not at all wealthy. They were also dirt poor, but there was never money at home. Mm. And so, but I've never worried about money because it's not something that drives me. Like I'm not interested in money. I can't even tell you the bank that we bank with. Like Mike sent me to the bank the other day to sign a form and I rang him from the bank and said, they don't have the form. I was really, I was really kind of pissed off at him because I like had to take time out from work and had to go down there and I had to sign this bloody form. And he's like, which bank are you in? And I'm like, I was in the Commonwealth Bank. He's like, we don't bank with the Commonwealth Bank. We bank with the ANZ. It's next door. I don't, I'm just yeah. disinterested in yeah. money as an object. So in a way, for me, work has never been, a, it's not, it's not connected to wealth. Mm. It's just connected to happiness. So so I think in a certain way, yeah, I, I like being busy. I don't see it as a job. I mm. like drawing drawings. I like reading books about architecture. I like the built environment. I like the cities we live in. I like the landscape. So 
I don't feel like it's a job. Yeah. It's a pretty special place to be. Occasionally it yeah. feels like a job when a yeah. client's being too difficult or a council or a builder, but, you know. Well, right. well look, just uh, I guess on the um, on the, on the the personal side of things, that, the, the aspect of family coming into yep. the fact that both run – well, actually, Mike doesn't run. Yeah, sorry, now, but yeah, used to. <laughs> used to. Yeah. Um, so I guess in the, in the period in which you were both running – know businesses what were the decisions that you made in the business that enabled you to protect time with each other so that it didn't become sort of all-consuming i think mike's good at that i'm not good at that so yeah. mike is a he's he's a planner so he organizes holidays or events yeah. or and he'll have he'll have our year organized a year in advance right you go yins and yangs totally everywhere totally <laughs> i literally just turn up to holidays he'll be like where do you want to go and i'll be like off the cuff i'll say let's go to bhutan and then two years later there's a trip and i'm like where are we going he's like we're going to bhutan i told you that like 12 months ago i'm like oh god okay great so he's a total planner yeah. so he's the one that protects our our family life we also because our families live remotely so my mind in country victoria and he's in the united states you know you have to work on relationships and family relationships and uh, the same as normal relationships mm. friendships you have to work on those so taking time out to make sure that we spend time with those people with our families is super important to both of us so that kind of invariably is a a way for us to create space in the business at the same time, I've realised I can't do turn off my phone and not look at emails. I'm not that kind of person. Like, I'd actually, that actually makes me more uptight than actually just reading them. Like, uh, Jonathan, uh, one of my business partners, he's a total turn off person, right? He can go on holidays, he can turn off everything, and he, he's quite that. Make that calms him. Uh, and we have a uh, agreement in the office that that's what you're allowed to do when you're a business partner, when you're a partner, right? Everyone else will step up and take control of stuff while you're away to ensure that when you're away, you don't have to do anything. But I just can't do it. Like, mm. I'm, I just get too anxious about it. I much prefer just to know what the email is so that I can just ensure that it's being dealt with. Like, yeah. I, that makes me calm. I'm like, okay, I'm calm now. I can go and enjoy sitting by the pool having a glass of wine, whatever. Mm. Yeah. That's a simple step. Yeah. yeah. If I could just end on one, mm. one last thing. Over your years as a director, maybe just outline some of the key observations that you made that have attributed to, I guess, the, the practice growing in a way that it has. What would you say your key observations uh, are? With- look, I think the most important, uh, I think for me, the most important thing is loyalty. And I value loyalty probably above everything else because I think if everything else fails, loyalty is still there. So loyalty is super, super important. And that's probably the thing that if I ever get upset, it's be- it's over that. My perception of a lack of loyalty or someone thinking that I am disloyal. Loyalty is super important. And, and I think trust is the, the, is the thing that may, means you will be successful or not. I've probably been fortunate in that I've never trusted somebody. I've never been in a position where I've trusted somebody who has misused that trust, which I think you can, there are shysters out there who can just fleece you you know in terms of a business having the trust having trust in your partners having trust in people that's the most important thing because in the end you know in our profession everyone thinks that you know being the name or winning an award or whatever is important it's so not important like it's so underwhelming to be honest when you win an award it's so like I, I, I personally find it really it doesn't energize me at all you know you often enter awards as an office not for the everyone else, right? It's for the people who worked on the job or the client mm. or whatever. But but at a personal level, does not rock my boat at all. I could quite happily never 
enter another awards program. So the the things I, th- I think you can be surprised by the things that energize you. And I think it's the non-ta- non-tactile things sometimes, which are the things that energize you, which is loyalty and trust. And yeah, loyalty and trust, I think for me, the, the most important. The other ones that I would say are have a generosity of spirit, be generous. And that's but not only what we design, but how we engage with people. Yeah. Expect the best of them, deal with the worst when you have to, but expect the best. And the and three words I like to use all the time is beauty, uh, delight and joy. Like how do you get those three things in what you do and in the work that you do? For us as architects, how do you get beauty, delight and joy? Um, not only in the object, because the object is a static thing and it will change for different people, but in the process of getting there, how do you keep those things alive and enjoy the daily process? And it can be a grind, but actually grind can be joyful as well. Mm. Like it's sometimes the hard things are actually the most joyful because you get through them and you're like, wow, I did that. I did it. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and look, this, this has been uh, incredibly enlightening. Again, thank you so much for, for being with me. I don't know, <laughs> a fair amount of your time, but um, look, no, yeah, awesome. it's, anytime, always for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's always, yeah, it's incredibly enlightening and particularly just to be able to do it one-on-one, you know, it's, uh, it's quite rare. So it's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, and, Harry. Thanks again. Loved it. That was the final part of my conversation with Adam Haddo. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Adam's business journey and the way in which he, together with his co-directors, have shaped SJB into the business it is today. The standout points for me were Adam's perspectives on planning, finding the right partners in life and business, and being generous. Now, while I live and die by a plan, after all, it's what I do on a daily basis, What I took away from this point is still have direction, but be flexible. Find what you love doing and enjoy the journey. I don't think that can be stressed enough. You've got to enjoy the journey and the rest will follow. Regarding finding the right partners in life and business, I don't think this point can be underestimated. If you can find this and conversely be that person for somebody else, then great things are bound to happen. I think Adam is a great example of what happens when you get this right. If you've enjoyed listening to the episode, I'd be interested to know your thoughts on the content. So please take the time to leave a comment on the podcast website, businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au. If you're listening on Apple or Google Podcasts, I'd love it if you left a review and And if you know of somebody who might be interested in the content, please feel free to share it with them. It helps this podcast find new listeners. I wish you all the best heading into 2021. My hope is that we see a few more rays of sunshine this year than we did last. Once again, thank you for listening in. It's been a pleasure having you and I'll catch you next month. Bye for now.